What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. We have a special episode for you tonight. It's the World Series preview, Astros versus Phillies. Coming on the show tonight, the host of the Powder Blue podcast covering the Philadelphia Phillies, Mr. Frank Close. Frank, thanks for coming on. Hey, really happy to be here. I think this is really neat that we get to do this and get the Houston perspective and the Philly perspective all in one show. So let's talk about this. I can't remember where I wrote the notes, but let's if let's talk about our road to get here, right? So you guys, the the last team in, and your first round matchup. That's what I wanted to ask you. You have to go on the road. What do you think about the new format first? Like having to go on the road against the higher seed team and having to play all three games over there. And also just the, the new format. How did how did you like that? I kind of like it. I didn't like the one and done. I think you need at least a little bit more leeway than that. And I think that the way that they set this up, it, it does give the team with a better record sort of the home field. Well, obviously the home field advantage, which in theory should give them the edge. But what I think it does additionally, which is pretty neat, is it's basically a battle of your two best starting pitchers. And if you've got good starting pitching, even if it's only the first couple, you can battle it out through a small series like that. So I think that makes it really, really interesting. You know, the Phillies were able to, in that wild card series, pitch Zach Wheeler, pitch Aaron Nola. And then what do you know? Once they did that, they just had their top few relievers. Boom, series over. So and that's pretty interesting. And, and I kind of like it because, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, they're the, they're the last team in. They're the last wild card but you know especially look comparing them to the st louis cardinals the phillies had two 101 game winners in their own division st louis cardinals had nothing close and if you look at the total number of wins by division opponents the phillies division had substantially more wins in that division oh, in the yeah. nl east than the nl central so so i didn't really think of it much until i really got into that round and really breaking it down but you know, a team like the Phillies, who had a lot of talent, kind of gets buried sometimes. And uh, this wild card format allowed the team to sort of not be buried, essentially. Um, if you have a, a, a bad stretch for for reason that's kind of out of your control, such as Bryce Harper getting hit by a pitch and being out for two months, Gene Segura getting hit by a pitch, being out for two months. You know, they've had these, you know, these moments of adversity, but it allows them to hang in despite those 
And you might actually argue that's a little bit more fair, you know, that that the team that was the better team and had the unfortunate injury. And, you know, those two big injuries the Phillies faced, that was a matter of somebody on the other team hitting them with an inside pitch. You could say, well, that's not fair, right? <laughs> that you lose no. your MVP. And, and Bryce Harper was on pace to be the MVP again when that Blake Snell pitch came to inside and hit him. <laughs> You're at a severe disadvantage. So if you if you really consider it that way, I think this kind of gives the opportunity for the teams that maybe should be there and have those moments to rise past them and have a seat at the table in the playoffs. And then they can show you what they can do. What would you think about if they did the playoffs just one through six, regardless of uh, division? Well, I honestly think that's coming. Um, by the time you get two more teams, it sounds like they might just head that way. Uh, so we'll see. We see next year they're taking some steps to have perhaps a little bit more balance in the schedule. Uh, you know, every team plays every team now, which will be something new and different and interesting. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I still like the I still like the divisions because you get the natural rivals most of the time. You know, I always love Philly Pittsburgh. I wish there was more of that. Um. You don't really gain any games and and that kind of scenario, uh, but but yeah, I think still regionally you still want to have the divisions. I think you want to be able to 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 have more games against your own geographical area because it just makes it easier to travel and easier to compete. So, but 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 I do think they're kind of moving toward. By the time there's 32 teams, I think you're going to just see that happen in National League and American League and top six at the end. I would probably be against that myself because I like the divisions and I like that you you face your division more and winning the the division is a big deal. Now if you have cuz some I mean in football, you look at football sometimes there's a team that goes 7 and 7 and makes the playoff and someone that wins 10 games don't because they're stacked like you said your division is you have 200 game winners but I like I like that too. The thing I was worried about as far as the Astros where they had five days off while the other teams were staying loose and playing. And the advantage they had is that they were able to recover and they were able to rest. So it was rest versus rust. What was your thought about that, about the one seeds resting? Did you think that was a good thing or a bad thing? You know, they got to set up their pitching rotations. I, I think with the more wild cards you have, the more likely you are to have teams battling it out at the very last minute. And the Phillies got luck, kind of lucky the way things played out. Now they now the Aranola uh, basically sealed the wild card in Houston, of course, in that last series. Um, and and because the way that that the rotation set up, they had. Zach Wheeler pitching before that, so they were able to get them one two into the wild card round. So that that's the biggest worry, I think. I mean, the Phillies that those last two games in Houston for for the regular season, they they took their starter out after an inning the one day. The other day, they just grabbed somebody from AAA and said, "Here, go pitch." <laughs> so yeah, uh, they kind of take they're kind of finding their own way to take uh, rest, I guess, as well. But I think all you need is a couple days. Uh, and to 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 play your subs, and that's more than enough to to get the rest that you need. I, you know, I, I I don't think a team that's really good and talented like the Houston Astros are needs to worry so much about s- sitting around. 
Um, of all the teams that got eliminated, I you know maybe you would argue the Braves that hurt them the most, but but they really didn't. <laughs> so I I saw what what the what how the Phillies won against the Braves was essentially that in a short series, the top third to two thirds of your roster was better or equal to the top third to two thirds roster that that the other team had. And cause that's all you see when you get to these rounds. So um, I, I guess the the thing that I would worry about most, if I were the Astros, if, if they had to squeeze out a division win, and of course it wasn't even close, but obviously you want, um, <laughs> you want to have your, your best starting pitchers ready to go in, in that first round. Right. Because I mean, let's face it, you, you, you get the advantage early, uh, the team, the, the you know, pitching a defense, the old adage they win in playoff games right and you want your best two starters to be there i think the teams that struggle towards the end and get in on the last day often they don't have a good enough starting pitcher now if the phillies didn't have zach wheeler too aaron nola would have been out for game one and you wouldn't have had him in fact the phillies actually you could even argue that the, the way things set up the phillies had to go uh that, that the phillies had to go ranger suarez in game one of the nlcs was NLDS, excuse me, was a disadvantage. They didn't have one of the races for that. So, uh, you know, going right to the NLDS, you could just start with your races. So, yeah. uh, but, the, you know, the longer the series goes, the more wiggle room you tend to have uh, beyond those those couple ace pitchers. So the next round, you ended up beating the team that won your division. And then the NLCS, for me, you had the juggernaut, Dodgers 111 wins and everybody just I mean I picked them to go to the World Series I I actually picked them and the Braves and and, and what's funny is on on the American League side the only team that upset anybody was Seattle they beat Toronto but on the National League side every lower every high what it would be lower every lower C team won in every series which is yeah, nuts. It, it 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 is kind of fascinating, and you know uh, the AL. You know, kind of rooting for Seattle just because they are the underdog. But uh, but yeah, but I, and I think it shows too. You know, the schedules aren't balanced. And I kind of said that a, a while ago, but they really aren't balanced schedules. And you know, sometimes the difference of a few wins could be you know who's hurt when and who you had to throw out there at any given day, who your mop up reliever is, and none of that matters when you're in the playoffs. So, um, for example, you know, the Phillies many times this season throughout the likes of, uh, Nick Nelson a lot, or Christopher Sanchez got starts and I could go on and on with it. I tried to type out all the names today that appeared on this roster throughout the year. And, you know, any, you know, at times when you got injury, you know, a few of them were on the roster at a time. And when you have a few of them on the roster at a time, you're, you're not gonna go on a run, so uh, playoffs. You don't get to that part of your roster or your system. You know, you get the chance to retool in July. Hopefully, add a few extra pieces, and you take those pieces and you battle your best guys to the end. So preseason, did you have the Phillies making it to the World Series? Did you have any kind of thought or dream that that was going to happen? So. I got to find the tape. I didn't say it on my own podcast, 
but I'm pretty sure on the radio, on the air, I was asked how many wins might this Phillies team have? And I said 86 or 87 wins, and I think that's enough for a wild card. <laughs> uh, they ended up with 87. So if I can find proof of this, then I can gloat for a while, I suppose. Yeah. But I think the goal this year was to remind people, remind, or not even remind, teach some of these guys that are on the Phillies roster that they can win, they can go to the playoffs. And my attitude's always been like this. I, I don't like to give predictions once you get into the playoffs. And, you know, five years ago, the Eagles <laughs> made the playoffs, big underdogs, till they end up winning the Super Bowl in February 2018, right? So my, my usually my, my analysis, if I have analysis at that point, is, well, here's how they could win. Here's what's going to – here are their strengths in the individual series. I don't like to predict beyond that, but – but I think, though, what the aspiration was remind people what the playoffs are like, build a hunger, and try to keep building off of that year to year. Uh, my personal experience was in 2007, the Phillies had one of the worst bullpens I have ever seen in my entire life. And, you know, you, you have, for all the people that have complained about their bullpens, I, I mean, this was this was constant turnover, constant throwing anything at the wall and see what sticks. And they really made the difference when they moved Brett Myers to the bullpen from the starting rotation and grabbed J.C. Romero on waivers. And uh, really that year, they really had to to <laughs> to squeak in. And when they got to the playoffs, the celebration was huge. You know, there's lots, lot, you know, I, I think, I think when I had a MySpace back then, I had the video of <laughs> embedded of Brett Myers throwing his glove in the air that, Hey, we won the division. This is great. But then it kind of ended there. And I believe Jimmy Rollins after 2008, when they won the world series, they said, look, last year, just getting to the playoffs was our world series. You know, like that, that was, that was the, the first hump they had to get over. I saw this year as being the year they had a hump to get over. <laughs> and I thought that that in itself would have been successful. And a lot of people said, you know, hey, well, if they make the playoffs, they're not going anywhere. Well, <laughs> you know, that that was kind of the expectation. I, I didn't expect them to go deep into the playoffs. I did not expect them to go to the World Series. But I thought they got to the point where this this was the year they they have, period. They have to get back to the playoffs. The extra wild card. They went out and signed uh, Kyle Schwaber and Nick Castellanos. You know, you see the, all, all the th all the talk was, well, yeah, they got to get a bat, and they shocked the heck out of everybody and signed two, uh, and just kind of went over the top, uh, blew past the the luxury tax, which surprised everybody. <laughs> and and so they said, this is it. We're go we're going for it. We got to do this. And Dave Dombrowski, the seasoned veteran he is, I think he from all accounts are he went to management and said, look, you got to go a little over the top here. I mean, I know you're going to ask me about the rebuild and stuff, but, but this, this had taken too long. They had to get in. My prediction was they would get in as a wild card. I didn't go much further than that. Yeah. From, from 2007 to 11, you was like division series. You won the world series. You lost the world series. You were in the NLCS. You lost in the NLDS. Then you went on a 10-year drought, and you made it back, and you made it back 
big. And you guys, you may not have the flashiest record in the world, and you might have finished third in your division, but I've always mentioned on here that the Phillies have a team that's built for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the and even the Astros, they have really good pitching. And it's not like they're hitting really good. It's just like when you watched them play the Yankees in game four, it was three to zero. They get a couple of walks and then a three-run homer. It's just timely hitting and perfectly. So let's talk about the Astros. What do I mean, you guys are a National League team, and I saw everybody chanting in the streets, we want Houston, and that didn't quite work out for the other two teams that wanted us. But uh, what what is the – because we get a lot of hate from the Dodgers and the Yankees. What is, what, what is it out in Philly? I think – I personally think of the knowledgeable baseball fans. They have a lot of respect for Houston Astros. Um, you know, a couple questions I got. So I do a mailbag on the radio segment I do at, at 97.3 ESPN in Atlantic City. And a couple people were asking about cheating scandals. Well, is that all out of the way and stuff like that? But – I th- I mean I think the baseball fans know that this is a very very talented team. Uh you know um someone asked me uh, on the in fact my my the host of the afternoon show that I'm on with he asked me today like you know about Jordan Alvarez like w- w- what I think of him. I'm like well he may be the the best left-handed bat in the entire league <laughs> that they're yeah. going to face. You know um I I might be impartial and I even said that I said Phillies fans. I'm sure they want to leave Bryce Harper as a separate, you know, best left-handed hitter in the National League. But, but Alvarez is is something. Um, it's a shame you're down Brantley, you know, at the moment. But you know, uh, Trey Mancini's a nice player. I know he hasn't done a lot for Houston so far, but 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 he's a really really nice player. Uh, Jose Altuve, of course, uh, consummate professional. He's three for his last seven, even if he struggled before that. And you just know that that. He's just going to hit, right? Because that's what Jose Altuve does. Uh, Alex Bregman, of course, who, by the way, is a, an old college roommate of Aaron Nola. So that's kind of one neat little side uh, s- side uh, theme, I guess, that you can have on this uh, <laughs> in this World Series. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, uh, the pitching. My gosh, the pitching has been excellent, right? The fact that Justin Verlander is basically, I think he's my age at this point, and I haven't been able to do anything athletic in twelve years, right? I mean. It, like it's phenomenal what he's doing, and and be, be, between him and Valdez, you know, kind of dueling for the Cy Young, <laughs> right? I mean, this is this is this is a this is a very fascinating roster, and uh, you know, even down through the bullpen, and they were stronger before Phil Maton punched something, but um, you know, this is this is a this is a deep roster and a talented baseball team, and yeah. the ones Lance McCullough is coming back from injury and had a nice little stretch, you know that that's continuing into the playoffs, right? So this is this is a tough team. I think it's got everybody's respect. Uh, clearly, the best team in the AL, and I think overall conventional wisdom would say that the Astros would be the favorites. And even if they are the favorites, I I don't think people care. <laughs> that's the nice thing too. Because they expect to see what they saw from this Phillies team uh, throughout this playoffs. You know, it's, it's not just well, okay on paper that this is this is the best team. Because the Phillies, I think, uh, are I've shown they are up to the to the task in the playoffs. And as you said, a team built for the playoffs. I think Dave Dombrowski knows what he's doing. I think he had that in mind, uh, and he said that all along. He's like, hey, look, if we get in, this team uh-huh. can do some damage. You mentioned the bullpen. I got these numbers before the podcast. 
The Astros bullpen in the postseason, 33 innings, 0.82 ERA, 0.73 whip, 42 strikeouts, and a 127 batting average against. There, that's what I'm saying. I mean, we're, we're there was a lot of close games. You guys are like winning slugfests, <laughs> and you know, you you watch, you know, Schwarber hitting bombs and Harper hitting bombs and uh, Hoskins hitting bombs. You guys could just take advantage of a walk and it could be two runs with the next hitter. You never know. And, uh, you know, you, you would look at it. Okay. The number one juggernaut in the American league that just ran through everybody is playing the number six seed, you know, that ba is barely over 500, but I don't see it as an easy matchup. I see it. I see it's going to go deep. Yeah, I, I would think so. Look, any, any game, that you have Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler, and let's face it, in a seven-game series, that accounts for four of the seven, right? Yeah. Uh, and on your in your lineup, you have JT Romuto, you have Bryce Harper, <laughs> right? Uh, and and ahead of him, it, uh, you know, Reese Hoskins has has been sort of the up and down, but when Reese is on, the Phillies dominate, right? So if you consider that you have Schwarber, Hoskins, Romuto up ahead of Bryce Harper. That 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 has the the potential to do a lot of damage. You know, someone asked me in my mailbag today, what would, um, you know, why would anybody pitch to Bryce Harper right now? I said, well, if you're in the playoffs, and you had Schwarber, Hoskins, Real Muto getting on ahead of him, you might not have the leeway to throw him some junk pitches and just or just put him on with an intentional walk, right? Yeah, uh, and, and even behind him, the guys up are no slouch. I mean, Castellanos did not have the year he had last year. I think that's fair to say, right? But I think people know what Castellanos can do. And behind him, Gene Segura, you know, his big hits have not been balls over the plate. He knows how to go and hit the ball wherever it is. And and so kind of his big two-run hit that, that helped them defeat St. Louis something like down and away, he just reached out and got it. So, uh, you know, with, with that kind of, uh, with those kind of bats behind him, uh, Alec Bohm is, as has really been tremendous this year, He's a little quieter in the playoffs. And I could say the same for Bryson Stott, but by the end of the, of this last series, Bryson Stott had a couple big hits. So, you know, there's not a lot of holes here. So if you want to put Bryce Harper on for free, that's the kind of thing you might need to pay for later. Right. So, I think it's going to come down a lot to uh, of the the good pitching versus good hitting, and may the best man win. Yeah, there's some series where people are, you know, questioning why are you pitching to Jordan Alvarez? He hasn't been really doing it lately in the playoffs, but like you said about your roster, you look at the Astros, you start out with Altuve, and if he gets going like he always does. Then you got Pena, who was just the ALCS mm -hmm. MVP. Well deserved, too. Yeah. And behind him, you got Jordan Alvarez. And behind him, you have Bregman. Behind him, you have Tucker. And then you have Yuli Gurriel. And if Mancini could pick it up, uh, Chaz McCormick almost won the ALCS, but Pena stole it from him. They're deep. I mean, there's... Like you, you can't put somebody on because the guy behind you will make you pay. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, talking bullpens, uh, my my friend Frank Bucko, who listens to us down in South Jersey, um, you know, Philly's bullpen 
42 and a third innings, 53 strikeouts, four saves by four different guys. ERA was 319. Okay, but that did include some of those slugfests you mentioned where now the mm-hmm. I will say this, the Phillies don't have a fourth starter. I mean, that's that that's going to be kind of the hole here. Uh kind of the story of the playoffs has been that the Phillies have battled out the bullpen games. And so uh Saturday night going to that game, <laughs> you see Bailey Falter he gets the first two outs and then allows four runs and he's gone after two thirds of an inning. And you think, Oh man, this is going to be, this is, this is a disaster. Well, then Mike Clevenger comes in and can't get an out <laughs> for, for the Padres they, and they, and they slug right back. So it's almost like, uh, you know, the, the Phillies are ready to respond when there's a, there's a need to, it's almost like they will it, you know, um, but that said, I think I think one thing that that does uh, show an advantage to the Astros is going to be whoever pitches Game Four, because the Phillies are going to probably start with Noah Syndergaard. He's probably not going to give you more than a couple to a few innings, and then you just got to keep running through the bullpen there. Which Game Four, of course, is going to be after Game Three and before Game Five. But the off days are not on either side of Game Four, so uh, that that's going to be I think the one that's going to mean a lot in this series is who can, who can pull out game four? Because, you know, as you said, all those people in that lineup, that they, they might be salivating over the perceived um, bullpen game. Cause essentially that's what it's going to be. You know, the Phillies went to Bailey falter for the first time on Saturday um, for that uh, clincher, uh, excuse me, the day before the clincher. And uh, they probably, I would think they won't go to him again, but uh, you know, but again, looking at looking at, at the Houston lineup, you know, you there's really no lefty starter other than I mean Ranger Suarez can do it, but uh but in the bullpen, if you don't have a lefty starter with that with Falter going, um th- there's not a whole lot of lefties there that can try to get those key out. I mean, Jose Alvarado's been f- fantastic, but guess what? You know, you're gonna see all those all those tough lefties in the Astros lineup. Alvarez is gonna bat three or four times a game. No matter what, right? So uh, Alvarez and Tucker. Is... Alvarez yeah, and Tucker yeah. are good against left-handers. Mm. Tucker leads the leads Major League Baseball and left-hander against left-hander RBIs or something like that. So they're definitely not scared of it. But one thing I wanted to touch on before I forget, because I forgot twice already, <laughs> is is you mentioned that in a seven-game series. You have two pitchers that you can guarantee a win. That's all you got. You know, the two pitchers you say that if as long as they win their two games, then they, that's all you need. But I mean, who, who who's going to pitch game one for y'all? Do you know? So they seem to be teasing it. So Zach Wheeler, in my opinion, is the better starter compared to Aaron Nola. Uh, now, Aaron Nola did not pitch. On Monday, because there was no game six, Zach Wheeler closed it out. Well, not, not as the closer, but I mean, like his his start was the last start for the Phillies to clinch on Sunday. So he can pitch Friday on regular rest. So kind of the question right now, are you going to give it to Nola because he hasn't pitched since Wednesday, the 19th or. Go right to Wheeler, my my personal preference. Is go right to Wheeler, you know, get, have you even, you know, he's he's better in my opinion it, that's that's not a knock against nola per se but but to me wheeler is the ace i want him on the mound game one because then you could put him on the mound 
I mean, God forbid that you're down 0-3, and I don't think that's going to happen because I think there's there's a lot of good baseball that's going to happen. But if you're down at 0-3, I think he can come back and, and try to pitch on short rest because, hey, it's the World Series, and why not? Um, Aaron Nola, uh, he, I will say this. When he went down to Houston, granted, you were you were planning to rest some guys or have some shorter days for a lot of them. But he went in there and just dominated. Why? Because they needed to clinch and they needed to win to get to the playoffs. And he stepped up for that. So so you got that out of Nola. So, uh, but I would personally go Wheeler first, Nola second. But they are teasing the possibility that because Nola had the extra rest, he'll go first, Wheeler second. Um, but again, either way, you'd have you'd have them four times out of seven. Yeah. I would assume it's going to be JV and then Framber. Yeah. And then uh, hopefully, I would I would pick Javier over Lance McCullers because he's been really really good in the last month. And uh, but anyway, kind of running out of time here on my my free Zoom call. So here on the on the show, I do a segment called Fair Foul. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, and if you agree with it, you say fair. If not, you say foul. Pretty Sounds easy. Good. Huh? All right. So number one. The Phillies' old-school powder blue uniforms are the best uniforms of all time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've always loved them. And all of baseball, right? I mean, I'm named my podcast after it, the Powder Blue Podcast. Well, why'd I go powder blue? Because I think that's the unique thing about Philly history. And by the way, if they could play a game where Houston's wearing their old 80s uniforms too, I think that could be really freaking cool. But I don't, I don't know if they're going to do that on, <laughs> during the World Series, but... I think that would be really be something. They didn't wear any flashback uniforms. They had a flashback weekend and they didn't wear any. Okay. What a, what a what a mishap, I say. So we both say fair. I love the uniforms like me and my son were at a I don't know like one of those locker room places in the mall where you where they have jerseys and I show it was a Mike Schmidt jersey and I go see that? It was I said that's the coolest uniform ever. So so speaking of that, fair foul. Mike Schmidt is the num is the uh, number one all time best Philly. I still say yes. <laughs> you know, uh, you can make arguments for Jimmy Rollins, Chase Sudley. I I still have Mike Schmidt, and you know, and I say that as somebody who grew Steve up watching Carlton. the end of Mike Schmidt's career. Yeah, I but. To me, to me, the organization is Mike Schmidt. And, uh, you know, number two, I would put Jimmy Rollins uh, personally. But, you know, and Chase Utley is, is like 2A, <laughs> you know. Uh, but but to me, Mike Schmidt, Mike Schmidt was it. The longevity, played his whole career with the team. And, man, I, I, I was a kid when, when mom bought me baseball cards for the first time. And, and all I wanted was a Mike Schmidt. <laughs> I loved Mike Schmidt when I was young, and I didn't even really like the Phillies. I just liked him because I knew he was good. Number three. So how old are you? I am 41. All right. I'm 51, so you might not know this one, but let's see. <laughs> Number three. You knew who Tug McGraw was before you knew who Tim McGraw was. Correct. Fair. Me too. Fair. By the way, just a quick second. This is that Mike Schmidt card that was my first Mike Schmidt card, the '88 Tops. I just had to throw that in there. I just oh, had man. to look because I had it. I had it in my drawer as a prop for something else. But right here, the '88 Mike Schmidt, 
never forget opening up my pack, eating that terrible gum, <laughs> and getting my Mike Schmidt card. But, but yes, I knew Tug McGraw before Tim McGraw. I grew up uh, kind of knowing about the 80 Phillies. I was I was conceived like two months later <laughs> after they won the World Series. Uh, but me collecting baseball cards, six, seven, eight years old, I wanted those 80 Phillies because I heard all about them. My dad had the stuff up and and the iconic image of uh, Tug McGraw's arms in the air when they clinched uh, that that stuck that stuck in my head. Yeah, I remember it. I, I remember watching that with my dad and I, Tug McGraw was a, a very uh, intense guy. He was their closer, wasn't he? He was. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I believe he had some good performances against uh, Houston in the LCS back then. But again, I only read about it. I was not alive to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I only read about it. You know, someone asked a question like, who, who, who do you remember being your favorite player as a child? And when I was very young, my favorite baseball player of all time was Babe Ruth, just because I read books about him and mm-hmm. I found him very interesting. But I think once I really actually watched baseball, it was Reggie Jackson. Mm. With the Yankees, he grew up not far from where I did, by the way. Huh. And now he's, he's with, with us, right, right outside Philadelphia. He lived in, uh, in fact, his childhood home is actually for sale, might be torn down right now. So that's a big controversy back here. But yeah, Reggie was Reggie was somebody too. Definitely one of the ones I was in awe of, knowing that he went to the high school nearby. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> All right, number four. We know the. Higher seed gets four games at home. But fair or foul, the visiting team has an advantage having those three games in a row at home. Fair. And I believe this with full confidence. I saw it in 08. The Phillies went down to uh, St. Petersburg to play the Tampa Bay Rays. That you know, if you take a game from there and then you can sweep at home, I mean, you're done. I mean, I like being able to wrap it up or even better. If you can win two on the road, guess what? You're looking really good. Uh, and yeah. you get to celebrate at home with your fans. Uh, so I, I definitely am in agreement that I like playing second at home. Because that, that's what I was thinking. Like, it's going to be so bad for the Astros if you guys win one in Houston. Mm-hmm. Because I watched the games with you in San Diego. And that's not a crowd you want to play in front of. As a visiting team, it's going to be tough. To, you know, and even even if you guys win two out of three after winning one in Houston, then the pressure is on Houston to win the last two. So yeah. it's going to be – that's why I think it's going to go pretty deep. And I've said it on the podcast already. I have tickets to game two and seven. So if it goes seven, I'll be okay. Just a quick, quick anecdote, and I'll be very fast. Go ahead. Uh, with Jason Worth in the 2008 World Series, I forget who it was. I think I believe it was him, and and someone had said to him like, "How how can someone from the Rays was like, how can you deal with this?" Like <laughs> talking about the Phillies crowd, and at that point he just smiled because he said, "Up, oh, we got him." So uh, that 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 that's a definitely a tenth man, or I guess now that there's a DH, eleventh man uh, for, <laughs> yeah yeah eleventh. You need you need a pitcher too, right? So the eleventh man in Philly is the crowd. All right, and number five, the Philly Fanatic is a better mascot than Orbit. What's an Orbit? (laughs) Orbit, that's our mascot. I know, I'm joking. (laughs) I've been to Houston. I've been to Minute Maid Park. 
to me, Philly Fanatic is iconic. He's been copied yeah, he many is. times. Uh, the company that made him and made stuff made a very similar character in Japan. Uh, remember, Yupi is very much the fanatic. You know, he's been very many times imitated, never replicated. To me, he is the best mascot. The San Diego still have the chicken, but they don't. It's not a Padres mascot, so I, I oh, don't know what not. it is. It's kind of like a free, a free, oh. uh, independent I, contractor. I think he was on the say. baseball bunch. You might not be old enough for that with Johnny no. Bench. <laughs> that was a good show. But anyway, that's all the time we have. I appreciate you coming on. And although I want to beat you guys, I mean, I'm not going to beat you, but it is what it is. I hope the Astros beat the Phillies four games to zero, but I wish you good luck to your team and the Phillies. Thanks for coming on. To you as well. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully we can, uh, hopefully you can return the favor and and pop on ours sometime too. I will. All you got to do is ask. I'll be there. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.